Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and I am so excited to have you back to the October cybersecurity series that we're doing. Today, I have two extraordinary guests. First, I want to introduce Julie Chua. She is the Director of Governance, Risk Management, and Compliance Division within the HHS Office of Information Security, Office of the Chief Information Officer. Julie established a department-wide security risk management program and spearheaded the integration of cybersecurity into HHS's enterprise risk management framework. She's responsible for a high-priority, high-visibility initiatives, including the implementation of the Executive Order 14028, improving the nation's cybersecurity, establishment of the HHS High Value Asset Program for the identification, protection, and prioritization of HHS's most critical high value assets and oversees the HHS FedRAMP Cloud Security Program. Julie is also the federal lead for the implementation of the Cybersecurity Act of 2015 and just an extraordinary uh, leader in the space. I also have a guest that you've already heard from on a previous podcast, uh, Eric Decker. Uh, just to recap, he's the Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer for Intermountain Healthcare, a multi-state integrated delivery network based in Salt Lake City, Utah. Eric has 22 years of experience within information technology with 15 years focused on information security. He serves as the chairman for the Healthcare Sector Coordinating Council, Joint Cybersecurity working group who we're doing this series in collaboration with. And uh, they're, uh, basically healthcare is a critical infrastructure uh, that we depend on. And that's why they've got uh, over 300 organizations and 600 members working on the work that we're covering on this podcast series. So with that introduction, I want to welcome both of you, Eric and Julie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Saul. It's great to be here. Yes, and so happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you both here. And and so one of the things that I love to do is really, you know, get, get to know our guests and and what is it that got both of you interested in cybersecurity specifically within healthcare. Well, I can take the first shot at that. Um you know, I've been in IT pretty much my entire career. I I did my bachelor's degree, actually, ironically, in cell and structural biology. So, you know, there's a lot of, clearly there's a lot of uh, alignment between IT and cell biology. Well, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> that said, you know, this has always been a, a fascination of mine and, and very, very interested in the medical space. Uh, you know, as an industry, I, I just love the mission of this industry. I, it, it's so, it's so important. It's so easy to get behind you know, we're here to help people live healthy lives. You know, the work that we do is directly related to life safety. It's directly related to great outcomes. And uh, it's not really about the bottom line, you know, so different industries, you know, kind of have different, different mindsets there. I've, I've always been in the nonprofit space, and this is kind of, you know, the, the place I like to be. So, um, Love the mission. And, you know, so in order to be able to help secure this and help keep our critical infrastructure safe and secure, that's uh, that's an even more amazing mission. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate that. And, and you, Julie? Sure. And actually, the mission is what lured me to HHS. So when I started working here a few years ago, I was excited because I could merge my passion for healthcare and cybersecurity. 
And that passion actually stems from being within a family of physicians. So they showed me that they had a lot of challenges and struggles with balancing patient care and embracing the innovative technologies that are available, but also the cyber security risks that are associated with those. So in terms of mission, I hope everyone knows that HHS's mission is to protect the health and well-being of all Americans. So that is just one way for me to provide my subject matter expertise and make a difference in this industry. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, really appreciate it. And and I just have to say the 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 work that both of you are are, are doing, uh, both on the on the topics we'll cover today, but in general, are making a huge difference. So uh, really appreciate the work that you guys do. Um, so today we're we're really gonna focus uh, a lot of our time around around what is the diagnosis that healthcare cybersecurity is in critical condition. Uh, where did that come from, uh, and some of the answers to that. So so why don't we kick off the conversation with you, Eric, around who made this diagnosis that healthcare cybersecurity is in critical condition? You bet, Saul. And um, you know I'm gonna start off by talking a little bit of legislation, which hopefully doesn't bore our, our uh, audience to death or right out of the gate. Uh, so in, in 2015, there was the, the Cybersecurity Act was released called the Cybersecurity Act of 2015. And in that act, the Congress at the time and, and the stakeholders at the time had noted that healthcare was just starting to get under siege from ransomware. That was probably the early days of when seeing ransomware bringing systems down, you know, to its knees and, and going on diversion and so forth, uh, you know, causing outages of weeks to months. Uh, since 2015, obviously, there's been many cases of that that have occurred uh, over the last seven years. Within the, the Cybersecurity Act of 2015, there's a provision in there called Section 405. And Section 405 was all about improving cybersecurity outcomes you know, across the industry. It, it included elements uh, of things that HHS needed to do, just internal to HHS. It included an assessment of the, the full state of the landscape and the industry, uh, it, as well as the partnership with HHS. And then it also included a section about, uh, you know, so once we understand what the assessment is, what do we do about that? How do we go about fixing the problems and correcting some of these issues? So the the uh, the element about that that assessment was actually uh, a provision called 405C, as in CAT. So everybody's bored already because the the numbers and and designations are sort of non-approachable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, there was a <laughs> there was a task force that came together r- roughly around the yes. same time as the 405D task group started up, and. Um, they were doing the assessment. So this was a joint partnership with health and human services and industry, about 30 some people that are on that task force. They called it the HKIC task force uh, and they produced the HKIC task force report. And in that report is where the diagnosis of healthcare is in critical condition came from. So it was one of the, it was a partnership uh, with the, with health and human services and industry co-led by that uh, that coalition of of folks that came together. The um, b- before we just sort of jump into it a little bit, um, as we start talking about four or five D and hiccup and what all that entails, mm-hmm. 
405D is the second, that is that last provision that I mentioned. It's the, so once we understand what the state of, this, of the situation is, what do we do about it? So more to come on that, obviously, as we, as we get into this. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for the context there, Eric. And, and folks, just to, to reiterate, the hiccup is actually HICP, Health Industry Cybersecurity Practices. Um, and it is uh, just a, an extraordinary document um, that, that helps guide uh, a lot of the practices that, that uh, organizations can take. So um, we, we talked about you know, the, the critical condition aspect. How did they come to that conclusion? Um, there's some pretty big hospital systems and healthcare companies in business. Why aren't they doing enough? Yeah, so yeah, I think it's important to understand the landscape of healthcare for this. So healthcare is not just all the major hospital systems you know that exist. There's if there's about six thousand hospitals in the United States, uh, maybe a fifth of those hospitals have uh, margins to speak of, any kind of operating margins to speak of, to be able to invest heavily in cybersecurity and invest in programs and people. Uh, You know, we have have kind of a perfect storm here. You know, in healthcare, on the delivery side of the house, margins are small, talent is hard to get. uh, It's very competitive against big tech. You know, the same talent that we would look for in this space is uh, could make 20, 30, 40% more in big tech or, you know, other industries, finance, et cetera. And and in most cases, you know, many cases, I should say, not necessarily most, the the hospitals and the acute care facilities and medical groups you know they're making decisions like do we buy that mri or do we invest in cybersecurity do we do we buy the thing that's directly going to help us and help our patients diagnose or do we buy the thing that is is you know perceived as an insurance uh you know action or something along those lines and, and those are tough decisions and very tough tough things to get to so, um, you know, coming to that conclusion, I mean, the good the good thing about the whole process is this was very deliberative. You know, it was led by industry experts. That this is the 405C, the HKIC task force group. Uh, it was led by industry experts. It was led by HHS senior uh, officials. And it, you know, was held in D.C. They had several meetings over a span of, I think, about a year and a half. And they pressure tested and challenged all these assumptions that were made. And uh, ultimately came to this conclusion, which I think is, you know, exactly the right way to do it. You know, it's collaborative. It's not any one individual pushing any one type of agenda. It is the the voice of many coming together and, you know, producing a comprehensive report. And that's ultimately what this report was, the HKIC Task Force report. It's got about six imperatives that make up, uh, that, that summarize ultimately 108 different action items to take across the healthcare industry. These are the instructions of what to do about the problem. Uh, so, you know, big hospital systems, you know, yes, we have some big hospital systems in this space. Intermountain is one of those. Um, and, you know, there's things that we do even in the, in the big hospital system space that, that we're constantly trying to stay ahead of, of the game on this. Um, another thing to note is the healthcare ecosystem. So why, why is this so hard? You know, so, as we have moved digitally, it's, you know, healthcare does not 
ultimately just run entirely by the electronic medical record system or the electronic health record system. I think a lot of people think that, like there's one big monolithic application that exists and all you have to do is just secure that thing and you're fine. The master app. Right. The master control unit. Is that the <laughs> MCU? Tron? <laughs> uh, it, it, there, are, there are tons of applications. There are tons of interfaces. There's tons of relationship between just inside the IT structure. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole industry that came out of this, you know, health, it's called health IT, health information mm -hmm. technology. It's because of the discipline, the specialization and everything that's necessary to run these types of systems and deliver uh, meaningful workflows that actually help our providers and nurses do their job. Uh, it's very complicated. It's incredibly hard to do. And not only that, you know, so not only do we run these systems, you know, internally within our own HIT departments, but we have, you know, very complicated relationships with vendors. We, you know, there's, there is a very, very much an outsourced, you know, kind of model in play. And it, some of it could be like services outsourcing. Some of it could be your, um, you know, handing data off to someplace. Maybe there was platforms that were, were leveraging. And, and once you get outside the four walls of the hospital and you're getting into a community, now you got to have the whole community up and operational and working in rhythm with one another in order for us to be able to deliver care at the volumes that we have to deliver care at. So that's why it's hard because it's incredibly complicated. It's incredibly complex. And we have to secure all those elements, you know, that are necessary for delivering that, that mission critical function. Yeah. Thank, thanks so much for that, Eric. It's definitely a complicated uh, system and it's the onus is on us to, to, to keep it secure. Um, Julie, it would be great, uh, to, to kind of ask you this question. What, 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 what are some of the recommendations in the, in the hiccup document? Can you walk us through some of them? Yes. And I think I'd like to have a twist a little bit with that question that you posed where within the hiccup document, we really have a call to action for those who are reading the document. And that is basically cybersecurity. It's a shared responsibility. As Eric mentioned, it's a complex ecosystem, not just with technology, but with people who are working in healthcare. So we are trying to recommend, suggest, um, make aware those who are not in the cyberspace, not in IT, that cybersecurity really impacts and the cyber attacks that impact clinical care, operations, um, and patient safety is fundamentally what we are trying to protect, what are we are trying to uh, achieve here. So another thing that the Hiccup document highlights is we as a healthcare industry should treat cybersecurity, not as an IT issue. It is solely not an IT issue. We need to treat it as any other hazard, hurricane, storm, um, and other such hazards that we are going through in a day-to-day -day basis. So with that in mind, the task group, this public-private partnership that we keep talking about, mm -hmm. they really honed in and said, what can we do within this imperative, this legislative mandate 
to move the needle a little bit. It's not even boiling the ocean. It's just a little bit. And so when people are accessing this hiccup document, they will see that it is very focused. Five threats and practices that mitigate or address one or all of those threats. And they will see that they are very common threats that you hear about, email phishing, ransomware. Eric already mentioned that. That is still, I would say, the most prevalent of all the threats that are covered in this document. You have loss and theft of equipment or data. That's still prevalent, even relevant even to today. And we also have the threat of connected medical devices and the attacks against them, and also insider accidental data loss. And that's either you've attached a file that has PII or PHI, but you didn't know, or you're, you are a malicious actor and you wanted that PII or PHI extracted from that organization. So I would say holistically, anyone who picks up this document will find themselves in it. Whether you are a nurse, a provider, a researcher, a hospital administrator, a CEO, a CFO, um, et cetera. Because I think that's another success that the task group did was they made sure that it was first and foremost a healthcare document and then a cybersecurity document. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate you highlighting that, Julie, um, because our, our listener base is healthcare, the healthcare stakeholders. So the, the the people moving the needle on this. So folks, it is first a healthcare document, then a cybersecurity document, and and all of the 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 things that that uh, that Julie and Eric mentioned the, the ransomware, the phishing, uh, you know the 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 risk to medical devices. All of these things are very real, and we've all seen it. We've all probably experienced it. Um, so there's the document which outlines them. And then there's a toolkit. So Julie, can you, can you highlight what the toolkit is all about? Uh, how do we get this out to all the healthcare delivery organizations that need it? So there's a few aspects to the hiccup document and I'll try to categorize them so that folks can know, okay, where do I go first? Mm-hmm. So it has a main document. That's the call to action that I talked about. It has statistics in there. An executive can easily understand why is my CISO, my chief information security officer, telling me that we need to invest in cybersecurity. And then you have two technical volumes, one for small organizations and one for medium and large. And then there is such a toolkit called the threat mitigation matrix. And basically this is, or this could be used as a starting point for organizations who are just looking for what do I do today if I know that email phishing, for example, is the biggest weakness that I have? Mm-hmm. It's sort of a risk assessment, but not totally a risk assessment. But you're telling yourself, I know my people are not looking at their emails and trying to figure out if it's fake or not. 
what are the practices that are in this technical volume one, if I am a small, that I could actually do today or implement or try to implement with the um, resources that I have. That's the threat mitigation matrix. It actually gives you filters. It's um, very in intuitive in a way where it shows you what you need to do in terms of criteria and then see what the practices that um, gets generated and you can actually look at what you can do first. How do we get this out? Podcasts such as this. And yes. also we have a website 405d.hhs.gov. It has the hiccup document itself. But I think more importantly, there are a lot of supplemental materials, posters, uh, training materials, where if I am a one practice, one physician practice, and I have no cyber experience, no expertise, I could see what I can take and actually use it to train, educate, become aware myself of what I can do today to mitigate and fight these uh, cyber threats. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, and, and folks, it's a good reminder, um, as we have done throughout this series, uh, the cybersecurity and healthcare series, uh, October, is that in the show notes, there's a link. And uh, every one of our show notes, including today's show with uh, Eric and Julie, there's a link to the hiccup document and also the toolkit. So you don't have to go searching or Googling anything. Just hit pause or keep listening and uh, scroll down to that link and you could access it right there uh, conveniently. Uh, thanks to Eric, Julie, and the team for all the work that they've done. So it's one thing to know that it's there. And then it's that extra mile that makes the difference. So Eric, how do we get the horse to drink now that it's at the water? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few angles on, on this one. Uh, so you know, Hiccup has, was actually released in December 28th of 2018. I'll remember that date forever because <laughs> it was a pretty big moment. <laughs> um, and, and before I answer the question, I actually do want to... Uh, talk a little bit more about the process of what we did with Hiccup. So there was about 250 people in total that were involved in this development. So uh, Julie mentioned the, the three core volumes of the document, the main document, the two technicals, and then the, uh, the toolkit at the end. Uh, so we, you know, it was collaborative, just like the HKIC task force report was produced in, with those 30 folks, 30 plus folks. Uh, we had about 250 in, in, in Hiccup. Uh, in the 405D task group, uh, we took it out to to uh, to peer review as well all across the country. We actually flew to seven different regions all over the United States and sat in front of clinicians and providers in one group and IT people in another and got all kinds of feedback from them and focus groups as far as like what, what parts of this make sense and what don't. Um, it was really quite something, to be honest, uh, to, uh, to be part of it, to help lead it, um, help write part of it, you know, all of this. Uh, the other thing I'll say is Hiccup itself is not the entirety of a cybersecurity program. It is really intended to be hygiene. You know, so what are some of the most basic things that we should be doing to combat some of the most prevalent threats that we have uh, that, that are facing our, our systems? And so, you know, hopefully the, the, the nature of how we've written it, the content, the, 
all of that would be compelling enough, although we know that that's not uh, always going to be the case, uh, in, in order to have people want to take this and, and sort of go forward. I will say something that's pretty amazing and, and pretty awesome that's happened in the last year, and that year and some change, year and a half, uh, January 5th, there was a new law that was signed uh, signed in that uh, ultimately amended high tech of HIPAA and high tech. And that law, uh, more, more uh, codename designations for you, it's called Public Law 116.321. I'm sure everybody will remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> but ultimately that law at the end of the day, amended high tech and identified a new definition, uh, to high tech, which is called a recognized cybersecurity practice. And it called out specifically the works promulgated under four or five D as a recognized cybersecurity practice. So now we are in law, uh, and, Fantastic. and, and in sort of the, in, in the compliance kind of regime, as far as like where it is. Now, what does it mean to have a recognized cybersecurity practice? Well, the, the law says that OCR, the Office for Civil Rights, is to consider any adoption of a recognized cybersecurity practice over the last 12 months during any kind of enforcement action that it might take. So if you get, now now I'm gonna put Eric Decker's words into, into, into being here. So if you get breached or you get compromised in some kind of way, then OCR looks at that, looks at, they, they already looked today as far as what you've done from a cybersecurity perspective to see were you, uh, have you done your due diligence or were you negligent in that? Now we're defining it a little bit more about what some of that diligence looks like. And, and that is a carrot, you know, into the compliance regime. It's, there's nothing in there that says you have to do this. It's all voluntary. Uh, but hopefully, you know, essentially as well, given our mission of healthcare, given that it is all digital, and given that we know we rely on these digital systems to operate a safe environment, hopefully that's a compelling enough reason to want to do the right thing. So Hiccup helps define the starting point, the hygiene for what doing the right thing is. It's washing your hands, you know, as you enter and leave the patient room. Uh, and and I, yeah, there's, and, and, and lots more coming on, on this front as well, you know. We have done, uh, uh, certainly going out to the website, 405d.hhs.gov. Uh, for those listening, it's 405d is in dog. So uh, 405d.hhs.gov is, is important. Um, you could also go out to the Health Sector Council uh, page, uh, the Health Sector Coordinating Council page. Uh, that's healthsectorcouncil.org. And not only is 405d on there, but all sorts of other publications that the sector has done as part of critical infrastructure. Uh, and if y'all, if you need Julie and I to come talk to your organization, well, we're also happy to do that too. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, <clears throat> Eric, uh, thank you for that. Julie, thank you as well. Uh, what, what an, what an incredible opportunity for, for the listeners to fast track their cybersecurity hygiene. I love the analogy. Um, and, and, and this is the time. So make sure you check the show notes, folks, get that link, check out all the links that, that, uh, Eric shared with you as well as Julie. Um, we're here at the end. I, I wish we had more time. Um, maybe we'll do another part to this, uh, to continue the conversation, but for now, uh, I'd love to hear from both of you. What's the best place that, uh, that you'd recommend people follow your work or uh, learn more about you. Yeah, so I think, certainly I think people should be going to the healthsectorcouncil.org website, uh, very important. 
Um, lots of work that our entire group is doing. We've actually grown beyond 600 members now, where I think we're up to almost 800 members uh, inside that amazing that uh, working group. So it's fantastic. Uh, also, the 4FID website, the HHS website. Uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can fo- you can find me on LinkedIn. Just type in Eric Decker, D-R-I-K, and no, it's not the football player. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully you'll find me and not him. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can find some of our stuff up on there as well. <clears throat> Love it. Thank you, Eric. And Julie? So re-emphasizing Eric's call to action, I would say, to get involved and have your voice heard. And I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to say a few last words because I do want to say, if anything, we need to make sure we know that cyber safety is patient safety. And I think that is enough of a call to action and a realization that we need to do something. Thank you. Well, well said. Well said, Julie. Cyber safety is patient safety, folks. And Julie, where can people learn more about you, follow your work? I would say 405d.hhs.gov is the best place to reach myself or my team. And also, we are very committed to the partnership that we have with the Health Sector Coordinating Council. And you can also find us in social media. So we are on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And hopefully, Saul, you are able to include that in the show notes for this podcast. Absolutely. We'll definitely include that, folks. So make sure you follow the work of Julie and her team. Uh, They're just doing extraordinary things. This is tip of the iceberg. Check out the show notes for that as well. Thank you, Julie. Really appreciate it, Eric. Thank you as well. And folks, as as, as I've uh, mentioned, all of the content that we're sharing is obviously available on the platform you're listening to now. But we're also posting these episodes on LinkedIn. And and so as part of that LinkedIn outreach, we ask that you share with your communities as well. And along with sharing is we we encourage you to participate in a discussion. So if you've you if you've used the hiccup document or if you plan to use it, we want to hear about it. When you see this episode post, jump in, share, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Eric, Julie, thank you both so much. We appreciate you spending your time with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.